Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the glorious truths of your word. Lord, that you have, have revealed these truths about yourself, these truths about your ways, these truths about your plans. You, you revealed truth, you revealed doctrine, you revealed theology. Lord, not to puff us up, Lord, to build us up in love, to build us up in encouragement, to build us up in perseverance, Lord, for your glory and for the good of your people. We thank you for that that, that, that is the purpose of this. That is why we study, not just to, 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 to accumulate knowledge uh, mentally, but Lord, that we would accumulate that knowledge for the purpose of, of knowing you more and of living out a, 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 a more deeper relationship with you through, through greater sanctification in our lives. And so we just pray that you would use that to, for that purpose this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're talking about doctrine of the last things or eschatology. We've been talking about personal eschatology and the idea of what does the Bible say about our own personal future as individuals? And there's not a, a, a lot of disagreement about that, right? It's, we're kind of starting, here's the plan. We're starting with the things we can, everyone can, all Christians should agree on, right? There's a lot in eschatology that Christians don't agree on. And, and they're not insignificant things. They're things that we are going to have to look at. But why, the point, sometimes you jump so fast there that we don't look at what is it that all Christians should and really do agree on. All Christians agree, we all die, right? We're, we are going to die, and that death is, death is not natural. It is part of the fall, but the, the sting of death has been removed, right? Uh, all Christians agree for the most part. There's, there's some small disagreements with, through history, but pretty much all agree, Christians agree and understand the scripture teaches that, um, that, that those who have placed their faith in Christ, as soon as they die, they go to be with the Lord in, in, in the intermediate state. Those who have not placed their faith in Christ go to, to, everlasting, go to punishment in the intermediate, intermediate state, all in, in waiting for that final state of the new heavens and new earth. So, so there's some distinctives, um, as Elias covered last week, but, but again, for, for the most part, all Christians agree with what, what we've talked about so far in personal eschatology. And, and, and yet it's so important, right? The Bible emphasizes that, emphasizes this, that, the importance of that um, because of what it means is, as we look at our lives, as we look at the world, as we look at our futures with a Christian worldview, right? Okay. Yeah. When they say the sting has been removed, could you speak about Yeah. So the idea is that Christians still go through death. Right. So, so there, the aspect of Paul never, so the, the aspect that death is defeated doesn't mean that we don't experience death, right. but that that the aspect of death as, as a means of a curse, that death brings curse, that death is, is, is something to be feared, that death is something that brings harm, that as a Christian, exactly, that death, the sting is removed so that death becomes the instrument that brings us to the Lord. So the things about death that should rightly cause fear, the things about death that should rightly be, um, you know, that, 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 that are seen as a curse in that way for a Christian, that, that there's an experience of death. It's still there. It's still an enemy, but it's a conquered enemy in the fact that that, that actually brings us to Christ. Yeah. So that's, that's Paul's language there in 1 Corinthians 15, that the, the death is lots its sting. Now, there's, now, when we move from personal eschatology to general eschatology, this idea of when we think about what the Bible says about the future of the entire universe, that, that the Bible talks about what is to come, uh, 
there are also, as we said, there are disagreements. And they're not minor disagreements about the millennium and about the rapture. Those are, are not minor disagreements. They're important disagreements that we want to look at. But before looking at the disagreements, we also need to look at the fact that there are some things that, that we should all agree on that, 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 are, are, that need to be affirmed by all Christians, even though there are disagreements amongst Christians on some of the other elements. And that actually Scripture focuses more on these other elements than it does about the millennium or the rapture. How many places explicitly does the Bible talk about the millennium? Explicit, one. One. Now, implicitly, I'd say there's more. I'm, I'm a millennialist. I, I believe in a literal millennium. But I, I would say ex- explicit, there's one place. Implicit, many. Explicit, one. Rapture. How many explicit, explicit teachings? One. First Thessalonians. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of, I'd say, again, I believe in the rapture. I think there's a lot of implicit teachings on the rapture, but as far as explicit teachings, it's just one. Now, how many times does the Bible have to teach it for it to be true and right and it's going to happen? One, right? So it's not to say that those aren't true and that we shouldn't talk about those things, but what I am saying is if, if, our, if 80% of our focus is on those things and 20% of our focus is on the other parts and the Bible is saying 80%, 90% is on the other parts and 10 to 20% is on those, we probably just have, it's not that we're wrong, but that we have our priorities a little mixed up, right? Because what the Bible focuses on is what is, is, what is called the, the parousia or the coming of Christ, the return of Christ. That is the focus of the Bible. Now, are there elements of this parousia that you see implicit, ta- implicit things about the rapture and the millennium? Yes. But it's, it's the return of Christ that is the focus of the Christian hope. Right? The focus of the Christian hope is, is the return of Christ. What is it that makes the millennium so good? Christ. The return of Christ. Right? What is it that, that makes the rapture so good? It's that, that that is part of, of Christ's work of calling the church to himself. It's, it is an aspect of his return. Right? So that there's this, this aspect of, of what gives the significance to these other events that we like to talk about and focus on is the major event is that Christ is fulfilling his promises to, to return and to gather his church, his people, his, to himself. Right? That, that is what makes those significant. It is, it is the culmination of God's redemptive plan. Right? It is the culmination of the Christian worldview that announcing his victory, that Christ came in his first advent, to suffer and die, and Christ is coming again to, to conquer and bring his people with him, right? So that there is a, a, um, there is a there, there, that, that, that needs to be our focus, because that's the New Testament's focus. And so <clears throat> there's some differences in how we put those other elements logically together, and that's, amongst Christians, something that's, that's discussed and debated, it should be. But all Christians should agree that the far focus should be the return of Christ, 
right? So, so that's, for that reason, I, uh, a year or two, I can't remember, maybe two years ago, you know, the, as the elders looked at our statement of faith and what is the unifying doctrine of the church and, and the, as far as the range of eschatology, although our, our doctrinal statement of what we believe are the strongest positions in scripture has not changed, the aspect of what we require for membership is a unifying doctrine of the church. We change from requiring membership to be based on only those who are premillennial to a statement that we brought to the congregation that was approved of, we believe in the personally and bodily return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the focus, and that's our focus. Uh, the coming of Christ at a time only known to God demands constant expectancy, and as our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly living, sacrificial service, and energetic mission. That's, that's the, what we have as the doctrinal, or the statement of faith. Yeah. Now you said the bodily return of yes. Jesus. Yes. Okay. Spiritually, he is still here. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Albert Schweitzer and Rudolf Boltman are, are two uh, theologians um, that, that made a, that pressed that so far. It, 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 but we're going, to look at, we're going to look at that a little bit. And so, um, so, so that's where, our, fo- that's where our, function, our focus should be. That's where our focus is going to be this morning. That before the, the coming weeks, you look at differences. Let's say that, let's look at what, what all Christians should, should be united on as our focus and in the sense of as we discuss other differences of where our focus should be as we look at, uh, look at these things of, his, of, his, uh, of, of eschatology. All right, so let's first, let's look at two aspects, the definite of, definiteness of his return and the indefiniteness of his return. There are definite elements and indefinite elements when the Bible talks about Christ's return. So, um, so there is a, so Christ's return, the, 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 the common ways to speak of it, to put these, the biblical scriptures in categories is that it's, Christ's return is personal and it's also visible and bodily. You can kind of separate those two, but they, they overlap so much that it, it, it really, I put those two together. So personal, visible, and bodily. So Christ's personal return. Uh, look at John 14. Let's look at John 14. John 14, verses one through three, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. This is in the upper room discourse, right? He's speaking to his disciples, preparing them for his departure. Uh, Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I, would I, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. This is an important promise, right? This is a comforting promise. Elias was, was right last week when we're looking at these doctrines. Doctrine is not just for itself. A do- doctrine is meant, then is practical. That the doctrine of his return is meant to be practical. It's meant to, to comfort us that Christ has promised that he personally is returning, his personal return. And you also see that we're going to cover it later that in, in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, you find a section often called the Olivet Discourse, that when Jesus is uh, in, in the temple area before the cross, that all, all three of the, the, the other gospels d- devote um, significant parts of Jesus, show significant parts of Jesus' teaching about these things as well. So if you look about it, all four gospel writers record 
these, this, this teaching of his return. This was important. This is, what, this is important to Matthew and to Mark and to Luke and to John. And, and we see as the early church, this was a clear focus for them and it should be a clear focus for us that he is personally returning, he promised to personally return in glory. And then we see this picked up throughout the, the New Testament as well, which we're going to look at a lot of verses this morning. We're going to see in Acts. We're going to see in Paul. We're going to see in, in, in the first, uh, 1 John. We're going to see in the other general epistles of Hebrew and James and, P, and first and second Peter that all of them focus on Christ. They have aspects of Christ's return. That every New Testament book is speaking in these terms. That this, was, this is an underlying core doctrine. This is not a side doctrine. This is one of the core foundational doctrines of, of the Christian faith, is that Christ will personally return. And, and beyond that, he just returning, the, the, the scriptures and Jesus himself starts to tell us, also tells us how he's returning. Look, turn over to Acts. that his return is going to be visible and bodily, bodily and visible in glory. So Acts chapter 1, we see the ascension of Christ, of Jesus into heaven. Um, and and there, there, there are these angels there. And in verse 11, the angels said, Men of Galilee, chapter 1, verse 11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So this departure was a bodily departure. They saw him ascend. So his return is a visible and bodily return. That, that is the, the aspect here, right? That's, that's the, where that, I, that term for the, the New Testament, this parousia, this, this, this coming, is, has this idea of, is implying, it's a shorthand, for this bodily return of Christ. Now, as Ron brought up, is Christ with us now? Yes, Christ says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ is with us now. And, 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 but some have pressed that so far. What they do is they, especially um, Albert Schweitzer was, was one of the ones, that is a theolo- German theologian, um, who, pu- who pushed this idea, where parousia, it, it, it can mean coming, and it can also mean presence, depending on the context, right? And so what Schweitzer did is saying, well, let's, we're going to put all the meaning, so Christ's coming is his presence, and so Christ doesn't actually need to return physically a second time because he's already with us. So all these promises of Christ's return is just his spiritual return happening at Pentecost. And so we, we have his return now because of the Greek, because that's what the Greek says. Here's the problem. That's just a poor use of Greek, right? And, and if you're in my Wednesday, Wednesday class, my Elias is, uh, th- th- this is, this is called, the fancy term for this is illegitimate totality transfer. <laughs> Um, or I like one of the, the hermeneutics books called it the overload, overload fallacy. And the idea is you, words, words have friends, words have context, and we never say a word always means all of its meanings, right? That, uh, that, that if you were, use the word hand, if every time you use the word hand, you're saying, yes, give me a hand, that means you're physical hand, that means your dealt hand of cards, that means your, uh, what else is it, your hands, right? Yeah, that means you clap for me, and I want you to do all of them. That's what I meant, right? No. 
Words in the context give a specific meaning. And the same thing here. You can't just say, well, it means both of those things, so let's put them together, and that's what the Greek says. Language doesn't work that way. And so, um, and, and, and so and, and it's also another, da- here's another danger. The danger is that it, it, it comes from Schweitzer's kingdom theology, and there's really an emphasis on this, 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 uh, this, this, this aspect of Christ's kingdom now. And so what he's doing is he's using a, using, trying to use the Greek to, to really say, here's my theology, and I'm going to see my theology in the text. Now, we can, we can poke fingers, but he, Albert Schweitzer was a brilliant theologian, brilliant man, and we can make the same mistake. Uh, we don't want to import our theology in the text. We want to, we want to interpret the text theologically, but we want to let this text stand for itself and not read into our, theo- read our theology, especially coming to eschatology, right? It's a, it's, I think he's a, this is a good warning for us as we proceed. We want to be careful of, of, of having, putting our presuppositions and reading them into the text. And especially, especially if you want to try to find it in the Greek and just claiming because that's what the Greek or the Hebrew says. So that, that's not what it means. And beyond that, you look at that parousia is not the only term that's used. The New Testament uses a whole, uh, whole family of synonyms for his return, including the word revelation. So it's revealed. It's seen, right? Uh, another one, his appearing. He is actually appearing to you. We long for his appearing, Right? So this is, not just a, this is not just a presence, but this is, this is a, a physical and bodily coming revelation, appearing, um, promises that were made pre-Pentecost and promises that were made post-Pentecost. So we're saying that, yes, Jesus is with us, but that is not the fulfillment of those promises. There are aspects of Jesus' promises to be with us, but there are, 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 the, the promises are incomplete until it's fulfilled with his physical and bodily coming. Better than this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bob. I think of a quote from an English writer by the name of Lewis Carroll. Mm. Who put it so eloquently, and it was looking last one, and one of the characters bursts out with a statement of, words mean what I want them to mean. Nothing more. Yep. 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 And that's where it fell off the bus. Yep. That's what lawyers do all the time. Yes, and, and, um, and theologians who think they know Greek and Hebrew more than they do. Yes, and so, um, yeah. I uh, I guess I have a little bit of a question about, like, why does it uh, taken up in the same way? Yeah. uh, Why it refers to him bodily, you know, the same way. So if you drive off in a truck, yeah, and uh, and someone says that he's going to come back in the same way, yeah. To me, that means coming back in a truck. Yeah. So some, it doesn't mean coming back as a body. Yeah. And so, uh, um, but it says they saw him taken up into the clouds. I mean, does it, so we say he's going to come in the clouds because it came in the, in the same way. Yeah. And it doesn't say the same form. Yeah. So I, I guess I have a little problem of focusing so much into his bodily form as in... Anything else. Yeah, yeah, and I would say. And I'm not saying I think he's going to come. Yeah. If he does, there's no clouds today. If he's not going to come today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting. Clouds. And, and you're, you have to also start looking, and, and, and all of it discourse talks about returning the cloud. There is an aspect of 
metaphor there, I think, as well, right? That, that you're looking at the Old Testament and this aspect of, of God coming on the clouds and the aspect of, of, of yeah, and so you're looking that, that they're, they're metaphors for glory, right? That, that these are glorious images, um, a, a revelation of glory, right? But I would say that Acts 11, if, if, we, had, if we only had Acts 111, I think that's a fair, fair question. I think that when you start to look beyond that and you start to look at the emphasis on um, the return, is this, this visibleness, right? You will, you will see him. Then, then you start to say, and that's why I, I, I'm saying that visible and bodily, you know, even though most creedal statements will separate those two, right? Physical and visible or visible and bodily, it really is going together because the emphasis on scripture is that there is a, a, a um, physical, tangible experience. It's not just a spiritual experience. It is a, a event where it is seen, uh, not just by believers, but by, in, in fact, we're, we're going to see by the whole world, that there's an evidence of, of, of manifestation of Christ in glory. And so with that, that's, that's why I'm saying that if Acts 1 was the only one, I think there's questions. But when you start to see this emphasis over and over and over again of this, um, this, this tangible, physical, manifest glory for all to see, then you start to see that this is, yeah, that it's, it's talking about a visible occurrence that's, that's not just a spiritual occurrence. Is I that, agree. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. and because uh, if he is going to come, he is going to come. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, I don't have a problem with that, but just to say in bodily form, and then when I want to think, when I start to think a little bit more, uh, we all think bodily form like, yeah, bodily yeah. Form. But at this point, even when Jesus was with us, he walked through the wall. Yeah, the and what and, and I guess what bodily is what what bodily is trying to communicate both is is in contrast to to spiritual, right? And the aspect of and, and what Ron pointed out, that Christ is has returned, Christ's presence is with us already spiritually, and yet that is not the the the, the fulfillment of the promise. The promise is that Christ Himself. In his body, not just a spiritual, not just his spiritual presence through the indwelling Holy Spirit, but Christ bodily in that way will return. Um, and, and so, so you're right. You could, it's not to press that word in the sense of, well, what, how, how is that, you know, physical body and all the aspects of that and answering those questions. It's more in contrast to, to a, a spiritual present currently, you know, again, with, with, with certain, um, Early nineteenth or early twentieth century theologians, it's really to contrast that saying that that's not what Scripture is saying here. Scripture is talking about actually a physical return, and so some I know I, um, Millard Erickson I think calls it physical. So he talks about physical and visible. So I think most creedal statements say bodily, you know, um, per, personal, bodily, and visible. But Erickson maybe for that reason says it's a per, is a is a physical return. You know, to, to contrast to spiritual, because that's kind of the the idea is is it's kind of contrasting that as well as contrasting with um, like a uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, right? That there is a again, there's a Christ has returned already spiritually, but it's just not seen, um, and so and and so it's, it's kind of contrasting there because that's kind of that that's how the term trying to describe it, it would be used. So that's yeah, I don't know if that helps or not. So yeah, isn't the body proof then to the unbelievers that he's and say, say that again. Well, if he comes with a body, yeah. unbelievers are going to see it. Yeah, I, I, I think the emphasis, though, the emphasis is, the emphasis is... You don't think so? You don't think so? <sighs> you don't think so? 
the emphasis is the glory. The emphasis is, 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 is over and all, that his coming bodily, physically, who should do that? He's coming physically in glory. And so you're seeing that, that they will see him and they will mourn, right? As they see him in glory. So is it, is it, that they, is it because he's in body? Is the body there? Is it, is it because it's glory? It's probably a combination, right? But, but that's, that's what's presented there, yeah. Wouldn't he be coming also uh, in that contrast that you're talking about, like in the Mount of Configuration, okay, where he mm-hmm. had this glow about him and, uh, yeah. and uh, that type of thing? It's a completely uh, combination of spiritual and physical at that point and coming as the king of earth, not as a uh, savior. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah. So that there's a, a visible aspect of it, in, of, of, of him in glory, right? Now yeah. the other thing is, is that uh, I don't believe I'm going to be around when he comes. Yeah, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But here's the thing. I think we could say that whether you believe that or not, we should all agree that this is how it's described, right? That, that, that this is the hope of the believer. Um, and, and we're going to and we're going to look at some objections with some of this um, that I think gets gets a little twisted on that but we'll look at that in a second. Uh, look at Matthew look at Matthew. This is an uh, example as I said of the his d- discourse on the mount of olives or the, it's called the Olivet discourse. Um, how did he come in bodily form when he walked through the wall? You know, yeah, we we don't know and and it's interesting, huh? Yeah, well, and, and, and there's a lot of questions that the Bible said would just not answer. So it's interesting, you know, Corey's got Alcorn's book, and Alcorn, he kind of tries to answer those, but he just keeps... So, because Philippians says we're going to have a body like his. Does that mean we get to walk through walls? And we don't know. Because the, the Bible the Bible's saying, here's what you do need to know. You do need to know that the hope that you're... you're placed, your hope is not placed on some of those other questions. Our hope is placed on that he is returning and that he himself is coming uh, in, 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 his, in his glory to, uh, to, to, to make all things right. We'll accept him no matter how. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of questions that, are, that, that will have many, many millennium to have answered, right? And, so. and we won't care. Huh? And if we don't walk through walls, we'll be okay. Yeah. If we can't teleport from place to place, then it will be okay. Um, so uh, Matthew 24, 20, uh, look at 27. So again, so the, these, well, just look at the visible images. So is it, is it well, let's, let's look at, let's read first. Um, For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man wherever the corpses of the vultures will, will gather. Uh, oh, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Right, that there's, this is visible imagery, right? He's, verse 27, as, as is important. Those little comparison words, that's a key. It's not always. Sometimes he uses metaphor, but there's a simile, right? If we remember back to our English classes, right? Simile, as, like, right? It's, and, and what is lightning being used here? It's visible, right? That everyone sees it when it goes across the sky, right? You're seeing these ap- apocalyptic um, signs that, that, that of, of God in the heavens, of God working and, and, and really, it's a picture of judgment, right? And these apocalyptic signs. And then you see the sign itself 
And there's that of. Of can mean a lot of things, right? I think the best translation of this is the sign of, meaning which is. What is the sign? It's not that there's a cross in the sky, but the sign is the Son of Man. The sign which is the Son of Man, because all will see him and mourn because of their rejection of him. Yeah. Apocalyptic, yeah. Um, apocalyptic is a type of genre. So apocalyptic is a type of genre in the sense of uh, when you're looking at, at um, how, do I, how do I define this? It's, it's, yeah. it's an event that is beyond kind of your, your, your thought and imagination because it's so fast. Yeah, I, I would, but I think it's and more. That there's, use yeah, but there's more of it in the sense of, of and, and specifically, you look at in, in biblical genres, there's this, when it's talking about images of God's coming, often judgment, but judgment, it's salvation through judgment. So God's coming salvation to bring salvation. And in salvation, there's also judgment. There's this signs of these, these, these almost like that what God is doing is, is revealed um, in, in, in universal cosmic language. So you look in the Exodus, when it's talking about what God's going to do to Egypt, is that, the, 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 it's, it's going to be like the world is coming apart right? Um, and, and in some ways, it literally felt like that. But then you also look at the destruction of the temple. The prophets prophesied that when the temple would be destroyed, the stars will fall from heaven and the sun will be darkened. It's that, that the entire, it's like that, it's describing that the universe is coming apart as God is coming in, in to save his people and bring judgment on, or sometimes to judge his people, right? To bring salvation and judgment. Um, and the similar language you see is, is talked about in, 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 in the end times. I would say in Revelation, it actually is happening, but is a fulfillment of, as God's finally done, it is that the world is finally coming apart. But, but you're using, it's, it's kind of like this, this cosmic language that, that, that is used. And you see that it's not just in the Bible, that in Jewish literature, um, in the books of like First Enoch and the books of, of I think, um, I want to say Baruch, um, but there's other Jewish literature books that use that type of language because that's the Old Testament language for when God comes, comes in judgment. And so... Yeah. Events yeah. Of God's salvation through judgment. The, yeah. Yeah. The kind of the climax of culmination. Culmination. Yeah. 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 I had never thought about his coming like lightning before. Could you ever mm-hmm. look at this guy? You don't know where it's going to strike. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you're trying to take a, a movie of it, yeah. it's like, it never comes. It never comes. You're taking a picture. And then all of a sudden, boom. But when it comes, you can't miss it. Yeah. Yeah, if you have your eyes open. I, I really never thought of yeah. it as lightning. Yeah, and, that's, and, and that comes back to the context. This context is you, you over, 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 and over, and over again. It's this context of visibleness, mm-hmm. right? This context of this is not, this is not a, a yeah, this is, this is not just a, this is not a, again, we're going to look at Jehovah's Witness. This is not a, what? He came already? Right? It, it, it's a, it's a, oh, you know, there's no, you're not going to miss this one. Right? Yeah. And so, um, look at it again, 2531. 2531, you see, see something, you know, something similar here in this, this statement. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, right? That this is going to be a glorious appearing. 
with all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne. That there's this, this picture of, of, of uh, returning in victory visibly in glory. And again, that's the problem. This is to, this is to, to con- contrast. Why do we emphasize visible? It's, it's to contrast. A lot of theologies developed to contrast what is in error, what is, the Bible is not saying. And, and, and it's to contrast errors like, again, as I said, Jehovah's Witnesses who say Christ, re- Christ returned on October 1st, 1914. I didn't know, I didn't know this until I was studying for, for class today, but I guess the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Christ returned on, on October 1st, 1914. So happy, happy birthday Actually, a few weeks had, ago. They had like half a dozen dates that kept going. Yeah. And then finally they came up with that. Number. Well, there you go. October 1st. Many times and, and, and they would say it's not a visible return because Christ has no physical body after his ascension. And so he's, again, it's very similar to Schweitzer that he's here, just, just, you just don't, just don't see him. See, this, that's, what I'm trying to set up is there are clear boundaries of, 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 of orthodoxy, of right doctrine, of here's, we're, we're Christians who disagree on some things regarding the timing of the rapture versus there are clearly things outside the boundaries of Christian doctrine, heresy. Of, and, that, and that boundary is Christ's physical and, and Christ's personal and physical and visible return. That, that's something that, that as Christians that we, we must unitely um, confess together. And so, so everything so far we've seen is definite. These are definite things that Christ is definitely returning personally. He's definitely returning physically. He's definitely returning visibly. These are all agreed upon by all Christians. But there's also indefinite aspects we should agree on. And that first of that is the timing of his return. If we're still in Matthew, turn back to 24, all right? It's, it's like Matthew is, more than the other gospel writers, is really trying to make sure we get this point. Matthew just, it's, it's just like a, he's just, just like my son sometimes on, on, on when he's, when he's, you know, trying to get our attention. It's just like, just, just nonstop until he gets that attention, right? He wants to make sure we get it. And that's, that's Matthew with here. And, and the point is, God has set a time. Christ is returning. And y'all don't know when. Oh, no, no, no. No, you don't get it. You really don't know when. No, no, no. No, you really don't get it. You don't know when. Yeah, October 1st. Because he has not revealed. And he's, just, he's pounding this, this over and over again. So Matthew 24, verse 36. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Now, he could have just said that, right? And obviously Jesus said more, but Matthew and the other gospel writers don't always record everything that Jesus says. They just record what's pertinent. But he wants to really make sure we understand. He's recording more of what Jesus says to make sure we understand what is, who's no one? Who's no one? No one is most, most people or most people who haven't studied scripture like me. No one knows. Who's no one? Not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. Right now there's questions about, about Christ and his incarnation and his omniscience. We're not going to get into that right now because that's not the point. The point here is not talking about Christ's omniscience. The point here is saying, you think you know more than Jesus? Right? If you think, you know, if, hey, you know what? If you think you know more than Jesus, we can have some other conversations. But if not, we just say, that we just don't know the timing. You just don't know the timing, right? Yeah. And uh, we just went through that in 27. Yeah. 27, like lightning. It's all over the world. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, no one knows. Yeah. The contrast between everybody sees it. Yeah. They don't know when. Well, it's, it's interesting because that the, all over the world, everyone sees it in the sense of 
When it happens, it's visible. But before that happens, he's talking in the sense of looking forward. He's talking to the disciples and, 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 he, and Christ still hasn't returned, right? It didn't happen October 1st in 1914. There's this aspect of, of we don't know the, the, the exact timing, right? So before that, there is a not knowledge, but when it happens, that, that it happens, right? Then he even says, you know, at an hour when you do not think you will. Yes, where, where are you looking at that? Okay, yeah, we're going to get there. Because he still builds his case. So, so again, we look at this idea of days of Noah, verses 37 through 39 there. What, what's the point there? There's a lot in the Noah story you can read into Scripture here, but we have to ask, what's Matthew's point? What's the point of this whole section? No one knows the time. What's the point of this days of Noah? It's, it's, the point is not people are going to be immoral like Noah. Well, they will, yes, and they are. But the point is not that. The point is life's going to be carrying on as normal right? There's going to be eating and drinking just like normal days. There's going to be marrying and giving in marriage. Christ is going to come in the middle of someone's wedding day, right? Christ is going to come when someone's having their birthday party, right? Christ is, I mean, Christ is going to come when someone's in the shower. I mean, it's, it's just going to be normal days because no one, no, no one has that circled on their calendar of that's the day. Right? It's because normal life is going to continue. It's unexpected because no one knows the timing. That's the emphasis of this whole passage. Verse 40 and 41. So this two and one. Listen, I believe in the rapture. The rapture is a biblical concept. We're going to look at that. But this passage isn't about the rapture. Now, can you see the, is, it, is, it, is, there, is the rapture implied here? Is that when Christ comes that there is a rapture? Yes, I, I, can, I think you can see the implications, but... But this is not mainly about the rapture. This passage is about people are going to be doing normal. They're going to, people are just going to be walking to work, driving to work. And Christ, and, and, and Christ is coming, right? It's normal, everyday life. And there's going to be an unexpected timing of his return. Pastor, yeah. uh, Matthew quotes uh, Jesus a lot mm-hmm. in Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. Now, have you separated what Jesus has said about the coming as versus what Matthew says? Well, I think all this is what Jesus is saying. Right, because Matthew, because what, but what I'm saying is what Matthew does, what all gospel writers does, because if you compare this to compare Mark and compare Luke, they actually say different phrasings, right? So, and and, and what they often do is they, they won't always they'll, they'll take part of it, right, because of this long discourse, but but so you can tell the emphasis, the Holy Spirit inspired emphasis of it, right, of how they put their language together. But we would say this is all Jesus, what Jesus said, right? Well, he quotes directly what Jesus said. That's, that's what he's quoting here, yeah. Yeah, but I would say all all of, I mean, everything from verse, that's why this is called the the all of it discourse, because everything from verse four, I believe, everything from verse four through 26, everything through four through the end of 25 is all one long discourse. So what Matthew tends to do, Matthew tends to put, um, tends to record Jesus' entire discourse, Sermon on the Mount, Right and and all of it discourse and, and it's kind of like he just kind of he just kind of um, you know leaves it as this big long sermon where where Luke tends to kind of at, at times take take some more summaries and, and Mark does as well um, so you're not going to see as much because they're kind of like well here's this and here's the big points and here's some of the things Jesus said and we're on to the next one and so but Matthew's Matthew's got it all recorded here for us. You're saying chapter twenty four verse four through the end of chapter twenty five. Yes. That's all one long, it's all one long quote. All one long discourse. 
Um, yeah. uh, verse 20, then look at 2442. Therefore, right? Therefore, here's the point, right? Therefore, here's the point of all this, right? What is, what's the point of the two and one? What's the point of the days of Noah? Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. You don't know when, so always live as if he's coming today. Always be awake. Always be alert. Right? And then he gives this uh, illustration of the thief. Again, because you just don't know, expect when the thief is coming. You don't know when Christ's returning. And then in verse 44, again, the point, again, therefore, you must always be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And some people would say, oh, I said hour. The word is hour there. So I, I can figure out which month just not the hour. Again, that is, we don't use language that way. That's not how we use language. That he's talking hour and, and, and this idea of hour is the timing. The whole discourse is about timing. You don't have the timing down. You think, if you think you've got the timing down, you don't, right? It, 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 it's that if you think you're, you're, throughout history, there have been many, 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 and not just from Jehovah's Witnesses, many, many, many ideas of fi- trying to figure out that it seems like everything's coming together for Christ's return. And you know the batting average of those ideas so far? 0.000. And, and according to Matthew, you know what the batting average is going to be when Christ finally returns? 0.000. No one knows. You, you, it, 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 either the Bible's correct or they're, if they're correct, the Bible's wrong. If someone actually does know the timing, then the Bible's wrong. That's what's there. Yeah. say the same day that Jesus actually does come back, but it doesn't mean he actually knew. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He didn't know the time. Yeah, so if someone, if someone every day, if someone every day said, today's the day, today's the day, today's the day, I, I would say it's probably closer. Now, there's two different ways. There's a self-deceiving way of that, right? But there's also an aspect of, it's kind of what the Bible's saying to be. The Bible's almost describing this aspect of today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. And, and we're going to look, and, and we, we probably have to get to it next week because I'm just running out of time, but it's not wrong to think, man, I see a lot of stuff going on. Maybe today's the day. Or maybe to, this month's the month. Or maybe this year's the year. Or maybe it's going to happen in my lifetime. That is actually the right response. The biblical response to what's being said is it can happen now. Every generation of Christians since the first generation has always felt that and that's not a wrong feeling. It is right to say I'm, it can happen now and, and, and I'm going to live in light of that. And, but it is wrong to say that, that I know and anyone else who thinks I, that I know for certain that it's happening this year and anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. That, that's, that's self-deceiving, right? Self-deceiving to say there's any other, anyone that doesn't think it's happening in the next couple of years is wrong because I know that I, I have the signs and no one else does and, and I know the exact timing. No, but the attitude of, man, this, this, it's, 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 I'm prepared because it, 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 I'm expecting it today. I'm expecting it this year. I'm expecting it in my lifetime. I'm going to live in light of that. That's the biblical attitude that we should have. If you don't live like that, then 
you may have some theology correct of not knowing the time, but you have the point of the theology wrong of the, the point of Matthew and, 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 and Paul and everyone saying you don't know the time is that we would live like the timing could happen anytime. That you, you, have the, you, may, have, you may have the point right or the, the, the actual words right, but the point of it wrong. And so, because the point... It's this minute and now it's this minute and now it's this minute. Every minute as it comes, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, 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 that's what Scripture's trying to give us how, how to live. That's the point of the passage, too. Yeah, when yep. The, when you see summer's coming, you know, these things are near. Yeah. I not tell you when. I said, yeah. they're near. Yeah. And then what's it? Therefore, be ready. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, from the early church that there's been this expectation, right? That for, for 2,000 years, there's been an expectation of may, maybe soon. And it is soon. But soon, soon as Peter, Second Peter says, you know, soon on the timing of the Lord, right? A day, a day is a thousand years. Yeah. I had a pastor who, who translated that saying that we should be tiptoe Christians. Yeah. We'd just be on our tiptoes, just ready to fly off. With yeah. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's right. That is the right. So, so it, it, it's a balance, right? It's a balance of we, we, you don't want to be so aspect of, 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 of seeing those things that you think that, that you have the exact timing and that, that there's, no other po- there's no other possibility. But we also, but we're, we're, he doesn't tell us a time so that we would always live knowing that, that, that that's the possibility and, and, and expecting, ex- we're going to talk about it later, but the, there's expectedness of that soon. Well, we turn to uh, in the days of Noah. Yeah. It isn't just marrying and giving in marriage mm-hmm. and running off. It's the fact that they were the way I understand it, they were ignoring the witness that mm-hmm. Noah was actually showing them the uh, mm-hmm. way of salvation from coming destruction. Yeah, they were well, ignoring that and just living as though it was ever going to happen. See, and and I, I see that of saying I, I read the Noah story, and so when I th- see the Noah story, I I think can you can you see the implications there? I I can see it, but when I look at the text, you know, for for as. For uh, uh, verse thirty-eight, for, uh, for thirty-seven, for for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming son of man. For as in those days, so how is it like the days of Noah? As in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. So that there is a, a, a again, but so if you're saying that Noah knew and they didn't know, you're you're actually missing the point of the passage, right? Because he's starting with saying nobody knows, not even Jesus. So he's not saying. The Christians know and the world doesn't know. So if you're saying that the world's ignoring things and the Christians get it, it's actually going contrary to the whole point of the whole passage. Because the whole point of the passage is, no, even you who are followers of Christ don't know, don't know the time. And in, in fact, that you need to always be prepared. So because unlike Noah, you don't, you don't know, the, you know how close the flood is getting, because, but you need to be prepared that the flood could come any day. So I, 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 and, and so I think that it's not wrong to, to, to see other connections. I, I think we do that. And when, when the Bible evokes Old Testament images, they often evoke the greater story. But I would say that we want to make sure we don't, don't overshadow with those other connections the biggest point. And, and that's that consistent theme of that there's an there, there, there's unknowingness of, of that time. And so, and because of that, that there's a there should be a consistent expectation that could happen any time. Yeah. I always thought that Mary was like that. The Virgin Mary. Hmm. She was waiting minute by minute. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's do this. Let's let's pause there and we'll pick it up. Um, we'll kind of back up a little bit and then we'll pick it up next time because there's some points here I want to get into that are are important. Um, and so we'll pick those up next week. Any any final questions before we we wrap? Let's just leave it with that then. We're, we're getting a little bit ahead of the notes, but I think it's good. But there's an expectation that if, if, if anyone here, if we're as Christians, are not living with that, that eager expectation of that, that we, we expect that, that Christ could come at any time, at any day at, in, in our lifetime, that, 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 that we're not living with that biblical, that biblical mentality. And at the same point, we have to be careful of that, that if we are expecting in such a way that we think that we know exactly the time, that we're also not, not living with a biblical mentality. And so, yeah. Someone told me yesterday <clears throat> that they didn't want, they had been living like they didn't want Jesus to come now because there were so many people she wanted saved yet. Hmm. And she said then it dawned on her. If they were going to be saved and Jesus came, they would have been saved. Hmm. But yeah. you don't have to... Yeah. We, we, trust, we trust the Lord. Is that the Lord is more gracious than we are. And the, love, the Lord loves people more than we do. And so that if we, we trust in his timing is, is the right timing and the perfect timing because we've seen throughout history that the Lord is, is merciful. And when he, brings, when he comes in judgment, it's never a minute too soon. When God came in judgment on, on Canaan, it was only after the sins had, had fully, the sin had fully developed there when God came in judgment on Israel. It was only to the, the culmination of when there was no more willingness to repent that God has always, always been merciful in all of his judgment and never judged a moment too soon. Yeah. All right, let me pray. Father, we thank you and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we are recipients of that mercy. And we thank you that because of that, that we, we long and we look forward to your, your return. So we would say, come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.